Hello and welcome to another episode of Time to Talk Titanic. So I'm excited to get into this one because we have some people on this time who... Vad, we have two, three. We have three people on this time who were not on on the previous episode. And so what I'm going to do initially is I'm going to go through those three mystery guests who are the the other co-hosts that you're yet to meet and in no particular order we will start with Presley. So Presley, if you could just kind of introduce yourself, you know, it can be as brief or as in-depth as you like, um, but just kind of let us know, you know, what got you into Titanic, you know, do you do anything Titanic related? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of hand it over to you to introduce yourself. Cool. Hi, I'm Presley. I'm in the U.S. I um, I gosh, I've loved Titanic since I was like nine. I started playing the violin because I wanted to learn "Near My God" to be like Wallace Hartley. Um, so I'm classically trained. I was a violin major for a little while, and everyone was always like, "Oh my gosh, that's such a weird story," <laughs> that I started playing the violin because of the Titanic. <laughs> well, that's wow. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, and and so how long has that been for? Um, it's been 12 years. 12 years. Wow. I don't think there's any hobby I've like stuck to for that long. So kudos for not only like learning it, but like 12 years. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> and, and so it was kind of the, the story of Wallace Hartley and the, the ship's band that inspired you to do that. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. Little nine-year-old me, too. Like, what nine-year-old is like, ooh, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. I feel like anyone listening to this, when you say, like, what, what nine-year-old is, you know, there will be so many people that are like, this nine-year-old, or like, you know, <laughs> when I was nine, because one of the common themes that, um, I think for anyone, you know, either it's out of us or just any kind of Titanic enthusiast, you know, the, the passion kind of, for reasons sometimes unknown, started from a very young age, and it kind of imprints on many different aspects of your life. So it's it's really interesting to hear that you took up a very particular hobby and skill um, based on the Titanic tragedy. So that's that's incredible! Wow. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much. Um, we shall move on now. I'm just kind of going up the way. So above you, Presley, on my screen. We have David. Hello, David. Um, a little intro about yourself. Uh, yeah, I don't really like talking about myself, but I guess I will do it. Um, hi, I'm David. Uh, it's hard to remember what got me into Titanic. I assume it's the 97 movie, like uh, most other people. And at the time, I was just a child. I thought it looked cool and then just dived right into it headfirst, reading about every, everyone and everything titanic and then i've been on and off it but then starting last year i've definitely gotten right back into it and it's here to stay brilliant i love it so you don't just kind of consume you do you do quite a lot of reading uh anything i can find um i i study digital film production at uni and we had to do an essay about a cultural idea and i decided hey why not try doing the titanic movies as an essay just because i could and just supplemented reading material through that, just any time I can, really. Because I find for myself, um, 
know, you say that you you write essays, and I, I kind of do that as well. Not so much for like courses or you know like university. I just do it for fun. Um, you know, you could say I'm a nerd, and you'd be right. Um, but <laughs> funnily enough, I don't do a lot of reading. Um, I I won't even admit to how many books I've read in my life because it's not a lot. But I think nowadays people actually underestimate how much reading they do because we read online a lot. So when I think of all the kind of stuff that I've learned about Titanic, okay, a lot of it has also been listening to documentaries or watching documentaries. Um, but I feel I feel like I've also done quite a lot of reading. Um, and there are some people that have, you know, bookcases full of um, books on the subject of Titanic and they've read them all. They might have read them all multiple times. Um, and I, I almost felt like a bit of a, like a sham because I hadn't re- read so much about the Titanic. Um and, and there's so much, so it's like, where do you begin? Um, but definitely, before we hit record, we were mentioning On a Sea of Glass. And yeah. that, I feel like, it was released, I believe, in 2012. Um, and it has kind of become like the, the holy grail for, um, you know, a written piece on the, the Titanic tragedy. It's very, it covers a lot, um, and it does it very well. And... Yeah, so, but yeah, I love the fact that, you know, the Titanic has inspired you to, to write essays. Um, and if you were able to share it, just even just privately, I'd love to read it. Um, if you still had it, I'd enjoy that quite a lot. So, moving on, we have Callum. Hello, Callum. Hello. How are you? Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't even realize I was supposed to go on there. Um, hi, um, I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, thank you very much for, for having me on. No problem at all. So, any just little intro about yourself, you know, how long have you been interested in the Titanic? You know, do you remember what it was that got you interested in it? Yeah, um, so I'm a history teacher from London. Um, I, I moved here a couple of years ago during pandemic, uh, great times. And uh, really the kind of the thing that, that got me into Titanic, I'd say, was the, obviously the Night 7 movie. I think a lot of people can probably trace that, but... I became obsessed afterwards. I remember raiding my local library when, when those used to exist in this country um, of every single Titanic book I could get my hands on. Uh, and within a couple of weeks, I managed to raid the very limited selection they had. Um, and I was just obsessed from that point onwards. I went on to do it um, for my uh, dissertation, for my undergrad. Um, so it, it, it stayed with me throughout um, throughout my life, and it's just—it's lovely to see how much of a community really is being built from Titanic now online. Yeah, that's—I'm really glad you brought that up um, because it is a nice, maybe not so much a, a segue, but just a, a nod, just a little nod, to kind of what we're doing here. Um, and I touched on it very briefly in the the last episode, just in the intro, basically just exactly like what you've said um, that the Titanic tragedy has really carried on forward um, into the modern day and it has built such a huge community um, and there, there's so many little kind of subsections of that community you know you have artists you've got writers you've got historians and researchers and um, you know people that are even just into one of the titanic films or all of them you know they might not read they might not even know much about the the true historical event but they just love the all the cinema that there is about it and all the media that there is to consume. Um, so, 
and and yeah, so I like what we've kind of what we've got here, um, because I, I feel like we have a very good kind of broad selection of the community um, being represented, which is nice. Um, and again, we've got someone that wrote like a dissertation based on the Titanic, so we love to hear it. And now I'm going to say hello to Dean, who was on the last episode. How are you, Dean? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm glad I behaved enough on the last one to be invited back, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Wouldn't do it without you. Um, uh, I, I feel like, you know, I didn't set like many ground rules, which probably now it's like anything's like fair game. So <laughs> I'll just kind of be making rules as I go. So far, there are none, um, which has been fun. Um, so yeah, don't feel like you need to like felt yourself. Don't feel like you need to, you know, just just be yourself. Um, that's kind of I think what we learned from the last one because it was a really really good time, and I'm sure this will be too. Now on to Chandler. Hello, Chandler. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. Lovely to be back. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a nice day. It's it's a lovely day. And Sebastian. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. How how's your um, IKEA furniture? Uh well we currently just uh, built the bed, so <laughs> brilliant. I am um, I don't know if it was real, but I saw a post on um online and it was a bar of chocolate and it had IKEA paper on it and it said a flat pack Easter egg. <laughs> I would like that to be true. <laughs> uh, yeah. If not IKEA, get on that. Yeah, if yeah. that's not real, they're missing a trick. Like that was, it was so funny. I was like, that's just fantastic. Um, I, I now feel like I need to go to the big IKEA in Edinburgh just to see if it's true. Um, so yeah, I I think this is us. But you know what? What a brilliant turnout. Um, you know, for something that Louis and I, he he can't be here today. Um, he's picking Aww. up his parents who I believe are on their honeymoon, and um, are coming back from their honeymoon uh, from the airport. Um, so he's being a, an obedient child and yeah but he and I started this two years ago now um, and kind of took a little break but you know we kind of wanted to figure out what we wanted it to be um, and I kind of carried the torch for a while but I thought I, wa- I wanted to do something different and and I think I think this is it um, you know really tapping into that communal aspect of of this interest you know of, of Titanic um, and I think where I kind of the launch pad that I want to kind of start off on tonight. Um, again, we were discussing it very briefly just before we hit record. Um, don't worry, you didn't miss anything too spicy. We'll I, we'll fill you all in. Um, basically, what we were kind of saying was, obviously, with the one hundred tenth anniversary, right now, really, you know, it's the sixteenth of April. Um, so very much still kind of in the midst of it. Um, one of the big events over the weekend was the live streams, the real-time sinkings, which really kind of blew up when Honor and Glory did theirs a few years ago. Um, you know, it was on definitely here in Britain. It was all over the news. It went surprisingly viral. It went super viral because it wasn't even like it was um, around like the 100th anniversary because it was. I think it was quite a bit after that. Um, but I think just because it was like nothing anyone had seen, you know, this very long YouTube video of this horrific event that, you know, they had seen in a very dramatic fashion in films and TV, but 
watching the real-time syncing was just very eerie. And there's this sense of, you know, you're watching it in real time and you want to reach out and tell them what they could do differently. And even when you're watching the collision, you just, every time you still think, uh, they might miss it, uh, they might turn just in time. And it really just captured people. And it's just, it's blown up. You know, there are so many people that do them now and they're all different and they're all great in their own ways. Um, but where I wanted to jump off in this episode was, you know, how did we spend the 110th anniversary? Um, and yeah, I'd like to kind of just go through everyone and kind of give everyone a, a chance to kind of say, you know, because me personally, I'll start, I did nothing Titanic related. I got wasted. <laughs> I'm, I'm on that, Aaron. I'm on that too. <laughs> Honestly, I woke up in like a gutter. I didn't really, but um, I might as well have. I was rat arsed. I was my face um but it was it was fun it was great but do you know what i was in ireland and i was like this is you know every gift shop had something titanic related so i was like that'll do it was um, an irish cutter yeah exactly so i was like i'm kind of doing something titanic related i guess um and I, I posted some drawings on the on the 14th so i was like i've, I've done my bit um but Damn. yeah is there anyone that kind of wants to well actually to begin with who watched any real-time syncing live streams, and which one did you watch? I haven't watched them yet. They, I haven't watched yeah. them in full. I've watched a bit of them, like, around the syncing and bits and bobs here and there, but none in full. Yeah, right, okay. I've, I've been dipping in and out. Of, yeah. I started with the Honor and Glory one, um, and then I discovered that Ken Marshall was on the um, Part-Time Explorer yeah, I'll, one. I was so surprised I, at that. Yeah, it was, it was quite it, shocking. It was, so it was I like a nice little surprise. Yeah, I wanted to listen to that as well to see. So I'm I'm dipping in between the two. But because they were doing it Titanic time, that was like, what, three, four o'clock in the morning here in the UK? So Yeah, it's the same here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes from really, normal Atlantic time, but yeah. I was not expecting that. Because um, obviously I knew that they would both be doing their, their real-time live streams. But when I heard that Ken had appeared, because that kind of became like, the, the chat afterwards um so you'll probably find that the historical fx one will may potentially get a lot more views initially because of that um after the fact but yeah yeah that, that one definitely had the the bigger names to it didn't it oh totally um just so incredible to be able to say that you had ken marshall you know join your live stream um and of course he wrote the foreword for um the the authors who wrote Honesty of Glass, their new book, um, recreating Titanic and her sisters, um, Ken wrote the the foreword for that, um, so I guess having him on not only to commemorate the one hundred tenth anniversary but also to kind of promote the new book, um, so yeah, absolutely, you know, well done them. That's just amazing. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to retroactively going back and and watching, um, the Honesty of Glass live stream mm. um did anyone else check out any of the live streams yeah, i was I oh actually oh, do, do you want to go first <laughs> sorry i did <laughs> um and i was because it was u.s time so it was like it was like eight o'clock here so it was good and um yeah um everyone was so excited about having ken he's kind of like a celebrity within the titanic community and um historic brass yeah and <laughs> Historic Travels did something too, and I tuned into that a little bit. 
Yeah. I love historic travels. I think Sam is so adorable, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's just so adorable. I love watching his videos. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I don't know if that's me being weird, but he's, I just think he's adorable. Yeah, Sam, he must be protected at all costs. Absolutely, 100%. Is, yeah. he, is he the one with the models, who always holds up the models when he talks about the yes. ship? Yes, oh, he's, just, he's just wonderful. Like, Sam, if you're he, watching this, southern? we love you. He sound, I think so. He sounds yeah. it. Y'all need to get on that. <laughs> but um yeah so really looking forward to checking that one out but i think this just oh. kind of shows that you know 110 years on we're all clearly still gripped with this um and it's not showing any signs of slowing um, oh, that guy. and i feel like if anything because of you know advancements in technology you know the fact that a team like honor and glory can be promising us, you know, in X amount of time, you will be able to walk around the Titanic as if she was, you know, in Southampton or on the, on the open sea. Like, that's just incredible. That's something that 10, 20 years ago, you'd have only been able to dream of. And even then, it would have been hard because we didn't know what a lot of the rooms looked like. Whereas now, you know, we're very lucky in terms of this generation of Titanic enthusiasts that there are so many rooms that before were just so unknown. And now, mm. you know, we can go into Google or we can go into the Honor and Glory YouTube page and, and we can see them. So I feel like as it's going on, the story is not only going to continue to live, but it will live on in new and very interesting ways and maybe some ways that we, we can't even think of right now. You know, I mean, virtual reality Titanic, that's just, that is that is the dream. That's my dream. Um, well, isn't that already something you can do? I think they've made it for, like, VR. But yeah, that's, yeah. like, the ultimate thing. Yeah. You, like, put on the goggles and then you're like, oh, damn, I'm here. We have, <laughs> oh, like, have, if you... Um, there's, um, what is it, Titanic VR, that game? There's... um. I have it on PlayStation. Um, oh, I have a PlayStation good, VR. Yeah, I um I did the whole um sinking experience in VR. I mean, it's it's is truncated to like twenty minutes. But is that, yeah. is that the game where they have like the sinking and then you go and dive into the wreck later? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So um, yes, because I've seen I've seen the gameplay and I was like, yeah, there was a lot of details they included. Really nice. It's really cool. And yeah, just just doing the sinking because you start off on the boat deck like in VR yeah. and you go on the lifeboat and then you roll away and see it sink. And honestly, I I'm pretty sure I cried afterwards because it was just so emotional being in there with the surround sound, the VR and everything. It's yeah, it was. And the dialogue uh, it's hard as well. to describe. Yeah, it's really really written. Yeah, there was one bit where you're, you're going down on a lifeboat and uh, you pass a porthole and there's someone inside banging saying, please help me. And just seeing that in 3D, oh, it wow. was, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it right now. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Now, I have an announcement to make. Oh, no. <laughs> so we have just had Nathan, one of our co-hosts, join. Welcome. Hello, Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm lovely. I just woke up. Oh, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Time zones. <laughs> well, welcome to, to the podcast. Um, if you want, if you're awake enough, or if you want, you can just like groan and roll back over and we'll just move on. Um, if you'd like, you can give a little introduction. Um, we've already done them. Um, but of course, with the kind of format of the podcast, which I like, it's pretty infor informal. People can kind of join when they want. People can leave when they have to. Um 
But yeah, Nathaniel, if you want to give a little kind of intro about yourself, you know, what got you into Titanic? You know, do you have any kind of Titanic-related hobbies? So yeah, fire away. Oh, all right. Well, my name is Nathan. I am from Arizona. And I got into Titanic around probably like 97, 98. It was originally the movie that got me into Titanic. And since then, I've done a lot of drawing, drawing inspired um, from Titanic. Uh, But since then, I would say a lot of my time is spent working with like models of the Titanic. I have three very large models. um, And yeah, I've had the interest for a good 20 years almost, and it's still growing. And you were fortunate enough to get one of the big mahusive Lego Titanics. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's huge. (laughs) It's the largest Lego set ever made. Oh, I'm so envious. So I was when I saw that Nathan had that, I was like so happy. Um, it was just like it was great, and also I'm kind of loving like vicariously through him. So whenever he would like post about it or send me photo updates, it was just like awesome. I just loved it. Um, so yeah, models. It's something I love, but I don't have the patience for. And like I said last time, I barely have the patience to do my own drawings. So. <laughs> Um, you know, one ho- one hobby at a time. One hobby at a time. Um, so yeah, thank you, Nathan, and I'm so glad you could join. Um, and if we lull you back to sleep, that's fine. <laughs> um, so okay, yeah. So we were kind of talking about the the live streams, the real time sinkings. We got into a bit of Titanic VR, which I love. I always see complaints on the comments of those videos because people are like, "Oh, it's not accurate." Like the wreck, kind of. Um, visual aspect of it isn't like 100% accurate and I'm like well did you expect them to map out every single rusticle? Yeah there's only so <laughs> much and, and I think there's still part of the right that's unexplored so <laughs> exactly I think they look pretty good and I've, I've even seen people share like kind of screen grabs thinking that they are photos of the wreck um, so they clearly do the job and I think I think with my art a lot of the time Sometimes I'm not going for, or with the drawings I've, I've released anyway, I'm not going for one million percent accuracy. A lot of it is to convey the atmosphere or a mood. Mm. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not like making it up as I go, but um, I won't go into it with, so for instance, you know, there's a, a drawing I did of three portholes going under, and technically the centre porthole would have been a hallway. But I didn't want to draw a hallway because I, I was like, that's boring. I want to draw a room. I want to draw like gold furniture and, you know, wallpaper. So little things like that, you know. Um, but, well, I, I know what you're saying, but, you know, artists to artists, um, you know, we're doing trains, you know, railway enthusiasts, they're very nitpicky with the tiniest detail. So I always have a little bit of creative liberty with what I do because I'm like, I, ca- I can't do like a picturesque or like a picture perfect drawing. It's gonna have flaws here and there but it's trying to get as close as possible or you know doing what you're trying to do with this drawing because i've been working a lot with atmosphere over the last few years instead of just drawing a motive 
mm-hmm. just just having atmosphere because when you look at the drawing afterwards and especially with your Titanic drawings you're like thrown into them because it's, it's art so you know it's like not a real picture or anything but you have the emotion you have the expressions on the people's faces and stuff yeah and I think that's far more important than getting every single rivet right because that's impossible unless you're like Ken Marshall or something oh no exactly um <laughs> yeah completely and I, th- I think as well, when, you know, we kind of mentioned all the different facets of the, the Titanic community, you're going to have those people that are sticklers for 100% accuracy, and that's totally fine. And they'll settle for no less. Yeah. <laughs> and because a lot of the time, it's those people who have the, the truth of certain matters rising to the top, which is good. You know, they're able to kind of cut through a lot of the noise and be quite vocal. Um, of course, like we said last time, there's a way to be vocal be nice um but when we're speaking of accuracy we had kind of mentioned something on our group chat i know listeners we have a group chat this is like a club um and and it's not like you're missing everything because uh there's nothing pg in there so you're you're not missing out yeah it's a club and luckily yeah. you're not invited um, a lot of inside jokes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I thought was really, really interesting was there was a screenshot, which I think was from the Honesty of Glass real-time live stream. Yes, that's the one I see, I think. Of the vertical or the stern sinking. Yes, that was a surprise to me. Because uh, I'm always watching the sinking moment because there might be something new they add into it. Like I mentioned on the last podcast, that like the double break. And this time there was like different in a way because they didn't do like, I think they did a low angle sinking on the last one. And then this one, they sort of brought back the the theory of the uh, the bow being like pulled up. Um, I'm forgetting the terminology of the, the front end was pulling the back end up. And it goes oh, yeah, yes. vertical. The, the bow sitting. almost being attached yeah. to the very kind of the keel. Yeah, yeah, because they mentioned something where I was like, "Oh no, we're going back to the banana theory." That's entertainment in itself. Like watching James Cameron just throwing out theories in the room, and those historians with like thirty years' experience just look at him like, "What are you on about?" Oh yeah, that was the video where um, <laughs> he was like, "If you so, um, just... what, what if we like go to the Californian? Like, what if we just do that?" Yeah, put Titanic uh... in reverse and like sail to, and the people looking up, they're just like, okay, Jim, okay. Um, it was very much like that. Okay, Grandpa, let's get you back to the home. Um, yeah, yeah. You've been away from the nursery for too long. Get back but, to um... Avatar. Get back to Avatar. <laughs> well, it's, it's just it's super interesting because I, yeah, I can't remember exactly how the Honesty of Glass real time was last year or the year before that, whenever the last one was. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's potentially there's always going to be a little variations, whether that's because they want to kind of go down the honour and glory route. And I, I don't think the Honesty of Glass team will do this per se. Um, mm. I, feel, I feel like... So Honour and Glory obviously did their real time which was a bit more creative license it was more inspired by charles joffin's account um was that yeah with the stern just stern rolled just over had we nap and down down it went but um and then obviously honesty of glass this year they had the stern 
going more vertical. Obviously, it wasn't completely straight. You know, it wasn't like James Cameron's 97 no, no. depiction. Um, but then even James Cameron, when he did the, the final word, his animation, the stern, did seem more... In fact, the National Geographic magazine cover, which was kind of, I think, um, promoting that, um, it's the, the illustration of Titanic, and you can see under the waterline, and you can see the bow um, kind of planing away. Mm. And the stern is kind of... The stern has almost rolled onto its side, so it's interesting that even James Cameron knew that what he had shown, whilst for the time it was it was good, and he was working with what he had, um, clearly if he had the budget to make Titanic all over again, um, he would have the stern go in a more violent fashion. Which I like. I think, personally, it's... We were, you know, the reason I started talking about this was, you know, we we're talking about accuracy, and and it kind of it all comes down to that. I don't, I think last time we established that ships, they don't go down in a very beautiful way. way. Yeah, it's not, it's not meant to be handsome. No, I mean, the amount of um, YouTube videos I watch where it's like sinking ships caught on camera, and like nine out of ten of them always roll to the side. At they some all, point. they all do normally. Yeah, I think. Titanic still um, was the f- perfect sinking mm. in a lot of ways, and they well, even said that in the Sea of Glass stream. It's like you really don't have sinkings like that where you have like hours to prepare the lifeboats and put them in the water. Mm. It often is just like uh, what is Empress of Island or something that's like fourteen minutes. 14 the minutes, is like yeah, seventeen yeah. thereabout minutes, and then you oh, have Titanic that's like two hours, and it's like that's perfect in a way. <laughs> On the I, lo- I love of... that you me- you mentioned um, Empress of Ireland and Chandler's like yes. <laughs> on, on the note of the uh, the Empress of Ireland, we're uh, coming up on a really exciting anniversary quite soon, which uh, I'm just so excited to share that with you all later. Oh dear. Um, no, on oh, the no, note, don't, actually, um... don't leave us in suspense. Sure now. Oh no, it's uh, we just have to wait for it. Wait for it for uh, when it's actually the time. Um, no, Spill the on the note of it rolling to the side, I am going to throw out again. So you know how I've got the uh, the toy that breaks in half. Mm-hmm. Um, every time it sinks, so it breaks in half, and the stern portion always rolls on its side every single time, and it, you can't make it do anything else, um, which is really interesting. Because that, that is interesting, that's and it it just shows you. Um, I think it almost makes sense because people think, oh, well, having the big boilers and the stern, of course it was going to sink like that. But no, because we don't know if it broke evenly. Because what would happen, because again, we don't know, if the the hull and the superstructure on one side just completely tore open, but on the other side actually kind of stayed together a little bit for whatever reason. So that would mean you had water gushing into one side of the ship and not the other. Um, So there's all these factors that play that you know, we just don't know about, but, and actually Chandler, funnily enough, um, in the Final Word documentary, I'm sure it's that one, they mm-hmm. use, it's slightly bigger, um, but it's a model very much like that, and it yeah. kind of detonates and it splits, and they, yeah, they established that the stern just wouldn't have stayed upright, um, that it would have, you know, there would have been some rolling over um, to, of varying degrees, but that it wouldn't have completely rolled over, but yeah, that it just wouldn't have sank, um, in the way that, that he showed. Um, but I love it. And so I think we've possibly already answered my next question. 
and what we I kind of want to discuss in this episode. But I'd I'd be curious to go through um kind of each of you and see what your take is on this. You know, we've just had the one hundred and tenth anniversary. You know, we've just spoken for the last thirty odd minutes um, about <laughs> Titanic. Um, obviously, I talk so as we as we do as as we do on this <laughs> podcast. Um, and I would just kind of like to hear why you think you know one hundred and ten years on, your personal kind of take on either for you or just generally why you think it still sticks around. You know why. Do we still talk about it? Why are we all still so invested in it? Um, even just the casual observer, they know, um, even if they don't know the exact dates, when they see it on the news, like, you know, the 110th anniversary, they'll be like, oh, and they'll know something about the Titanic. Um, so we'll start on the bottom of my screen, the list. Um, Nathan, if you're still with us, um, why do you think the story is just so lasting 110 years on? Well, I think personally for me, it's always been about the ship and the way that I see it is there's a lot of different aspects about the ship that are just, it seems like a modern ship, even though it was like 110 years ago, but there's sometimes when I'm just looking at different parts of the ship where it can be kind of out of time. It's like luxurious, obviously, but it has aspects of a world that we could still be in. Because I think like in the Lusitania or Mauritania, you can tell that it's rather dated and there's things that were from an era that aren't really popular now, but the construction is unique to a much longer period. Has yeah, I like that. Um, in terms of like the kind of architecture, you know, for, for me, the one room that always stands out um, is the sea deck aft grand staircase reception room, um, the kind of restaurant reception area, because um, it's got like white walls, cream kind of walls, but then the staircase itself looks like the forward grand staircase. Um, I just think it's a really nice room. I think it's really just looks really warm and kind of sweet and inviting. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind waiting there for a table in the restaurant with like a cocktail. Um, so yeah, I, I like that answer. I like you know in terms of the the look of the ships. Callum, what about you? Why do you think it's still sticking around? Um, well, I'd say it's so accessible. Um, you know regardless of what kind of media you consume you were talking about it at the start about how um you know you're not necessarily a reader but you consume all types of other media documentaries etc um you've got all kinds of things constantly coming out we've we've discussed books um the amount of channel 5 documentaries that are released um they honestly i've got i've got a list of them here can i can i read out the list Please do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was Sebastian that was laughing because Channel Five is—it's the fifth. Channel so Five is wild and crazy. It's, they have a reputation, let me just say. Yes, that. it's the fifth circle of hell. Um, so, uh, in terms, 
In terms of uh, the documentaries, this is just a a little list I compiled when I was getting angry this morning about it. Um, Top 10 mistakes that sank the Titanic 2019. Inside the Titanic 2012. How they built the Titanic 2019. Titanic draining the wreck 2017. Tony Robinson's History of Britain 2022. That's coming out soon, I think. Um, And titanic uh conspiracy the true story i think that's some switch theory bullshit but um it's just like within the last kind of five years they they must be pretty much releasing a documentary every year and it just keeps it alive in people's memories doesn't it um Mm -hmm. and they think after they've watched Mm -hmm. a channel five documentary that they're an expert and that they can they can they can tell you all kinds of things that have got to be true because it was on the telly That's very true, and especially when you kind of lay out in such a brilliant way. Um, it's it's constant. It's almost, and I mean this in a, I don't know. It's like it's inescapable. Even if someone doesn't want to give a crap about the Titanic, they've they've almost got no choice. Channel Five will make even, sure you what you know about it. Yeah, because even if it's only every middle of April, you know some. Someone who's just going about their life, doing their thing, living their best non-Titanic life. It'll come to the middle of April and they'll either be gripped to the screen because the Titanic might not have been the Titanic or because Leonardo DiCaprio has just died again. Like, it will be one of those two things. Oh, yeah. And and then they'll spend the next few days thinking, how sad was that, that that really happened and that all those people died? And then come May, they won't care again. And then the cycle continues, it repeats. Um, and that's good because it keeps the story alive. But, you know, then you need to kind of think, well, do we need this much Titanic content? Should we only really have, like, good stuff? You know, are we going to start gatekeeping documentaries now? Which, that doesn't happen, let's be real. Like, there's no such thing as gatekeeping documentaries because Channel 5 wouldn't have a business model. <laughs> um, they wouldn't be able to continue. So... Great powers, welcome to the Titanic. How about a new theory about uh, rivets made out of metal that's not... <laughs> yeah, rivets made <laughs> out of, like, of metal. paper or something. Like, you know, there was a like an iron shortage in 1912, so they thought paper... Yeah, be... so they, they, they went with the Type 3 steel instead of the Type 4 or something like that. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, there'll always be something. So, so that that's a very good point, Calm. Very good point and very well illustrated. So, thank you so much for that. I got to breathe um, it out. <laughs> you've earned it, <laughs> Presley. Why do you think, you know, even if it's kind of the the same theme as the the kind of previous comments, but why do you think um, it's still kind of lasting? Yeah, um, I think that much like world war ii everyone has an opinion or knows something about the titanic um but also you know it was a time where there was like lots of firsts happening you know you can see the end of uh edwardian fashion and it's like the first um you know worldwide reported event and yeah i think you it was just an interesting time and i think that that's um romanticized yeah and you've you've kind of touched on something that I also wanted to discuss after this section, the, the kind of romanticization of it as well, um, which is interesting. So I'm I'm curious to kind of get back to you and kind of hear your thoughts on that, um, because it, yeah, it's an interesting one, but definitely. And I think Jack Thayer kind of put it very well when he said that the sinking of the Titanic kind of marked the end of that era of time, 
um, and the, the world after it, you know, obviously he was kind of had hindsight by that point because he wrote and released that. I want to say it was in the 40s, but I'm not sure. But I know it was quite a long time after the sinking of the Titanic, he wrote and released a book for close friends and family to kind of read. But then obviously it was published and released and he just kind of wanted close people to know and then to never talk about it again. But he basically said that the world of today kind of woke with a shock on April 15th, 1912. And I think he was right. I think definitely this sense of security that the world had just was completely shaken. I mean, um, it's it's even like you see that in terms of Downton Abbey opening literally on the event that is sort of marked as the end of the Gilded Era, the end of the Gilded Age, moving the world rattling toward World War One and so on. Like, it's it's drama. It's pure mm-hmm. drama. Yeah. Well, you were next, Chandler. So continue. Oh, um, was I? Oh, wow, Presley. Yeah. I just I loved what you had Magic to say. Voice. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's interesting because like. I, I suppose I approach it from the human perspective. I mean, being an actor and a writer, I, I'm very, very, very invested in what people bring to the equation. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the Titanic is just one of countless ships that were built and uh, sailed and sank or didn't sink or anything. Like the Titanic was just a ship, really. And I think we mentioned it last week where it's like, if it hadn't sank, it wouldn't have necessarily had a massively uh, memorable career in comparison to other ships of its day. But I think for me, I look at it from the human perspective of people left this, um, this event and immediately started romanticizing it for themselves. They immediately started um, hyperbolizing it and exaggerating events and, and, shifting their memory of what was or what wasn't based on what other people had told them, even if it was things they didn't see. And because, I mean, uh, the New York Times, so I I love this fact about the New York Times. The New York Times became how we know it as the New York Times because they were the first media source to accurately report that the Titanic had sunk, that it hadn't, that it wasn't going to be... uh, um, pulled into into Halifax or anything like we get immediately the New York Times saying no the ship we like communication ended ended at this time we are going to print that it sank and that there's going to have been a fairly significant loss of life based on what we'd heard from Cape Race and so on so it, it does sort of as Presley was saying mark this this shift in terms of how news stories become global and it, it it's a shift in terms of how people perceive the world around them I mean, it's one of the first things, and again, Presley, I'm literally taking this right from you. Um, jump in <laughs> if you want to about how everyone has an opinion on it. And it's one of the first things that I think everyone globally would have had an opinion on. I mean, we can see implications in uh, the entire, like all around the world. China is obsessed with the Titanic. They're building a Titanic. Like it's everywhere. It's not just one place. Um, so I think that it persists because it's, I mean, the sinking is pure drama. I, I said it last week, it's two hours and 40 minutes. That's the length of a play. Um, and you drop people into a situation where they have long enough to change their behaviors over the course of the period of time, going from disbelief to uh, shock to action or going uh, uh, straight for a lifeboat uh, or, or, or choosing to stay and not do, not do anything but to help people. You, you get so many reactions and I don't think we'll ever know all of them. And that, I think, 
inside of the fact that we get to sit and read about what people did, there's also that mystery of being like, well, I know according to so-and-so that this person was probably roughly in this place at this time. But again, I don't actually know that to be true. To be true. It may have been uh, a romanticizing the fact that this person, I mean, what was it? There's the debate about uh, John Jacob Astor smoking a cigarette with his dog on, on the deck. Um, but we don't know that to be sure. We, we assume we do based on eyewitness accounts. But again, you, you never actually know. So it's this, I know I look at it from the mystery and the drama and the human element. Like if a ship sinks and nobody's nobody dies or nobody's affected by it, nobody really is going to remember the ship at all. They're just going to be like, oh, that was an event. Like so many people who were on Titanic had already been shipwrecked before, but we don't know those shipwrecks. We just know this one. So that's my that's my thought process. Very true, and especially like the the thing you said, it was the the kind of the biggest event of that time and before that everyone had an opinion on. Yeah, I mean, presently just... said that. I just I just ran with it because I agree. <laughs> oh yeah, completely. I mean, these are both. I mean, these are all right. Um, because you know, even we could come up with a hundred reasons each why we think it's still so omnipresent, and there would still be like a million more. Um. But yeah, it's very true. Very, very true. Even if whether that opinion went from, oh, how sad to the captain was a drunk, you know, yeah. which isn't true. Um, and actually, I'm reading On a Sea of Glass and there was a whole section um, based in the a la carte restaurant where multiple people, whether it was because they were probed, whether it was because they felt they had to say it or whether they just said it because they were recounting events, but multiple people said that Captain Smith had like, one sip of brandy or something or whiskey and that was it that he just he wasn't you know refusing to drink um and he wasn't being forced he just you know he had a sip and that was it he didn't you know and also he wasn't like sailing at the time he was kind of off duty so it's irrelevant he could have been like paralytic he could have been like me in dublin the other day and it wouldn't have actually made much of a difference so <laughs> what the bloody hell is going on at this time of night Exactly. He was like, he was off the clock, but, um, <laughs> well, I was like that. What is it? The, the, oh, we need a Titanic parody, but a drunk Smith just saying, <laughs> um, like light holler. And there's in the film where, um, one of the passengers says to him, would you like a drink? And he says, no, I'm on duty, but later, later or something like that. It's like, yeah, they took their job seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah. Night, a night to remember. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, I'll not drink right now, but Fucking just try and stop me in like half an hour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and just I I wasn't going to say it like because you were like on a on a roll, and I was like great. But just when you said John Jacob Astor had a cigar with his dog, in my head the dog also had a cigar. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing. Oh my God, I went there as well. So I'm glad I was it wasn't thinking just that very you. famous painting of dogs playing poker. <laughs> They're all. Little that was actually painted, painted on the deck of the. That's my next drawing. Know? They're all wearing life jackets <laughs> in the rooms, tilting at like ten degrees. Um, that, that's that's my next. It's like what happened to the dogs? What's like dog heaven like with the the Titanic dogs? And it's just like this. Yeah, it's like, what happened poker. to the dogs? <laughs> yeah. oh, only like one of them survived, but the rest, you know, they got really drunk and they played poker and it was a good time. So, <laughs> God love Give them. Give it the brush, old man. 
that can be the next theory, and we can be the ones to start it. Um, <laughs> I'll call Telfy. So, um, yeah, Dean, why do you think we are still, you know, in this day and age, in the year 2022, talking about the story of Titanic? Wow, I think I think the story of Titanic itself has actually moved to almost like a myth status because it happened so long ago and we have all of these books and these films about it and all these like crazy theories. Um, and I feel like because it happened so long ago and we've had all of this media and exposure to this one event, because um, as I was saying earlier, like Chandler was saying earlier, you know, like this was a big event that was kind of like the end of an era. Um, but I believe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the interest in Titanic after the sinking sort of waned a little bit a few months later. I mean, obviously we had the film saved from the Titanic. I think it was May 1912. Um, but yeah, kind of obviously with the dawn of the second, uh, the First World War, it just no one was thinking about Titanic anymore and that kind of disappeared. And I think the reason we still talk about it is because it's been kind of manipulated and romanticized so much to the point, you know, I, mean, I think even James Cameron says it in, one of his many media things where he says it's it's a great novel written for us by history and um yeah i just feel like we're so invested in it because it's this hyped up thing you know you have this big ship you have so many people there's not enough lifeboats um third class were trapped below decks and you know all of that and i i think it's it's the drama of it again as chandler said it's it's it was pure drama and i think that's why people um are so invested in it because of the dramatic tales in films and books that we've read. Um, but I mean, if you look at something like, for example, the, the Costa Concordia, which mm. happened, what, 10 years ago yeah. now, um, because we were all there and we sort of witnessed it through the videos and things, no one really talks about that anymore. Um, and obviously, you know, there wasn't as much loss of life as the Titanic, but it was still this big event. And obviously then people likened it the Titanic, but things like that, you don't really talk about it anymore and the same for the lusitania as well lusitania was a horrific disaster you know sinks in 18 minutes most of the people die but i feel like that doesn't get as much interest because that happened during the war so it was a part of all of the tragedy of the war while titanic was just this kind of unique bubble you know there, there wasn't really any kind of major world events going on and i think it's just kind of that myth status that is the reason it everyone's still invested in it and wants to know more about it because it's no, 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 no do you know what i mean all. i feel like i'm rambling now spot on um i think a, a huge part of it is you know the fact that it happened in a time of of peace that you know there was no war there's so much drama and speculation and you brought up a really good point about the the fact that people on the costa concordia and even just around it could film it yeah um you know channel five i'm sure it was or Channel oh. 4, it was one of them, they, um, oh. probably, <laughs> they yeah. did, to be fair, it was fantastic, <laughs> it was really well done, it was a documentary about, um, I think it was the Boxing Day Tsunami, mm. um, or one In of the tsunamis, it was, it was okay, a tsunami, yeah. but they made it entirely with mobile phone footage, so not a single bit was like, you know, obviously, cause there weren't like camera crews waiting for it to happen, but it was all just footage that people had filmed themselves, and it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever watched um, because it's real. And mm. But if Titanic had sank in 1912 and people had mobile phones and had filmed it all, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be what it is today because there would be no questions. There would be no 
speculation. There'd be no, you know, that tsunami killed more people than Titanic, I'm sure. Um, and it was way more devastating. But I can't even tell you what tsunami it was. Because we know about it. And if I want to know about it, I can Google it and I can find out everything I need to know. I mean, mm-hmm. even the death toll of Titanic wasn't certain until fairly recently. Although, to be fair, with something like a natural disaster, it's probably more uncertain. Um, but mm-hmm. I, th- I just think it was a really good point you brought up, Dean, about the, the mobile phones and the fact that people can film disasters now. And a huge part of the allure of Titanic is the uncertainty. And the drama, you know, the people locked below decks, but then actually, were they locked below decks? We don't know, because, you know, there was no CCTV, there was no one filming them, so we'll never know. Um, So no, completely, yeah, you're spot on. Um, Sebastian, what's what's your thoughts and opinions? That we have David O. Oh, well, I guess she had my thoughts. It's just I saw a name between me and Dean, so it's like, did we skip someone? (laughs) Oh, on my screen it said Dean, (laughs) then you. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, I was just writing down some notes because being the last one, I was going to make sure I wasn't going to hit by a sudden case of amnesia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just like a few... One and one of the first ones, like um, I noticed, uh, Chad was talking like if the Titanic didn't sink, and for some reason I got that episode of Supernatural in my head where they mix the Titanic sinking into it, and this angel is being put on a mission to make sure it doesn't sink, so they create all these new souls, and as a result, the main characters don't know who, who what Titanic is. It's like, and then it's talking about Celine Dion. It's like who's Celine Dion? Oh, she's some secondhand singer in Quebec, and let it stay that way. <laughs> I just thought that was a little funny thing. Um, because without it, I don't think... Without the sinking, like we said, and it's just repeating the other points, this that Titanic wouldn't have been the ship it, it's known as. Um, but I also, there was also some points from the um, Sea of Glass streams that I wanted to put in, because I think it was Ken Marshall that said, it's like, for some people, it's like a hobby. It's like, you know, fixing your bike up every... Uh, every weekend or for me train spotting and stuff and for some people it's just it's a hobby it's something to be excited about um and there's also like it's a lot of firsts in that case because someone mentioned this it's the first sort of widely spread catastrophe covered in media but another thing i learned and i don't know how much of it is true but it was also one of the first case where um the whole process of identifying bodies and getting in touch with the loved ones was sort of organized and created because I found this fascinating documentary about it, where they went through the whole process and where there was even the story of this little uh, three-year-old who's still unknown to this date, uh, but that the crew salvaging these bodies, they spend all the money they got from the Esther family when they found his body to sort of, pay for a proper funeral for this little unknown child. Um, so that's another thing. And and one of the things they talked about was, because we also mentioned Lusitania and stuff like that, it's like this, it's like a neutral playground I wrote in my notes because everyone can come in with like their idea or, or their theory or their interest in the whole sinking. And 
there's no real political background while as with Lusitania you have all this World War One stuff going on sort of thing so there might be some different opinions of what did the Germans do wrong what did the Americans yada yada sort of thing uh, but I think there really isn't that sort of thing because it's right in between some major events and stuff um, but yeah also an end of an era but that's already been touched upon um, and there's always something new they also mentioned that in the uh, in the Sea of Glass stream, it's like we always learn something new, a new witness account that just surfaced and then that describes the sinking differently. So you don't have like this fixed picture, like we said with cell phone, uh, the cell phones, um, where you just it's documented right there. There's no doubt about what happened. Well, with Titanic, we always have new stuff, new theories, new things coming forward. Um, that's it and yeah. there will always be firsts coming out um, and even things that we th- thought we kind of knew or you know there was mm. it was a first and then in five years it might be like oh retract you know we'll take that back um, turns out that was not quite accurate um, and that will probably always happen really good point you mentioned just about the fact that you know some people see it like a hobby no I, I completely see it like a hobby it's my biggest hobby because you know drawing is my hobby but then my hobby is also titanic so it's like the two things Mm. and my partner he's into like classic and vintage cars and you know he goes to car shows he's got two kind of classic cars he's really into all that i i you know if it's got four wheels and it goes vroom i guess it's a car um (laughs) that's like the extent of my knowledge um but it's really interesting because he's also part of lots of online groups and the the drama, oh, you know, I mean, the Titanic community probably has more drama. And to be fair, I've like told him some of it, and he's like, "Wow," but um, but <laughs> right ways are no different. Like if you're talking uh, livery, that is the painting paint scheme of an engine. Oh, that's that's spicy. <laughs> it's, it's just really interesting because the kind of the depth that people go into and the the commitment and mm. the kind of the not really knowing why someone became so obsessed with classic cars or vintage cars it's it's really interesting because they're two completely different things but we can both see why we care about it so much we're you know we might not be able to vocalize it but we can see we're, we're both very passionate about these two things mm. and if there was a titanic convention in town i would go if there was a classic <laughs> car show in town same thing yeah you would go um so it's very true and for some people it's they would maybe see calling it a hobby as being insulting. Um, so, you know, you could call it like a passion, an interest, you know, you're an, an enthusiast. Because I maybe wouldn't call myself a hobbyist, but to be fair, I don't, I'm not saying it from an offensive place. So I can completely see um, that point of it being like a hobby. Because um, I think- We're hobby historians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so no, yeah, completely great point to bring up. Um, and last, but certainly not least, um, David. So what's your kind of thoughts? Again, even if we've kind of like eaten up all the talking points, um, anything you just want to say? <laughs> yeah, I so dreaded being lost <laughs> because of that. But um, I'll, I just ma- I'll make sure, emphasize... David, I'll make sure next time you are first. Oh, I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> Um, I kind of just wanted to emphasize, I guess, what Chan was saying 
for me anyway, the most interesting part is the people aspect, definitely. And it's just sort of, well, the main reason it's romanticized, I think, would be 97 Cameron, just mm-hmm. because it was so accessible to everyone. It swept awards and it was like nothing's any, nothing anyone's ever seen before. But within that, there were so many like interesting stories about people. And then when you dive further into it, it's just this, you know, it's an everyday group of people. Third class, you have your immigrants starting a new life. And first class, you just have people on holiday. And they're all united by extreme circumstances that, you know, no one would ever experience in their life. And you look at all the individual stories and there's around 2,200 of them. Each of them have something really interesting. You have your engineers staying behind to keep the lights on. You have just people being separated. There's just so much weird human aspect to it. But I, that's the bit that fascinates me the most. There's a, there's a lot of other elements as well. But for me, that would be it. It's the idea that you can put yourself as well in those shoes. Mm. It's the idea that you can be like, oh, what would I have done? You know, when I was a child, I was like, oh, <laughs> I just would have survived because I'm a child. And now I'm an adult. It's <laughs> a more scary thing to think of, you know. So I think that would be my sort of angle towards why. It's, um, do you know what's so true? It, it's uh, a statistic that's kind of stuck with me for the last, I can't remember when I last saw it. I want to say, because when it comes to like data, you know, there's people out there that will have known all the data talking points for like their whole life and like love that for you. Um, live your best <laughs> statistic life. But, um, you do you, boo. <laughs> yeah, you do you, boo. And I'll do me way over here. But um, it was that 50% of the children on Titanic died. Yeah. So literally, you know, and obviously there was one uh, first-class child died. But for all the rest, literally, if you lined up every second of third-class child, there was a 50-50% chance you were going to die that morning, which I just think is really hard. Like, even talking about it now, I'm like, ah, because I work in, like, a school with the kids, and I'm just like... You know, yeah. <laughs> not to say that, you know, because I obviously I know lots of adults and I'm not saying that it makes it easier, but it, it kind of does because, you know, kids, you know, it's just, it's, it's awful. It's, 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 a it's horrible. It's so, around kids. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really fun. It's, um, I didn't realize, I, yeah, I didn't I realize the statistic that. was that high. I want to correct children. it. I'm actually bit. shocked Every at that. single child in second class actually survived. I was so going to say that. Thank you. The majority of that statistic is skewed by third class. Children. So it was third class. So fifty percent. So there you go. So that makes there sense. was the one first class child died, and then yeah. so yeah, if you were a child on Titanic, third class, um, you had like a half percent chance you're going to live, half percent chance you're going to die, which is just I couldn't believe it, and I thought that can't be true. Um, no, but, but I think that largely comes from because like a lot of times it was about families choosing to stay together rather than lack of opportunity to to send children away in in a number of cases like the family i forget which family their name is but they've they've got that the photo of all of them and an infant who's not included in the photo and the Good entire news. family died because they didn't want to separate any of them like they chose not to separate themselves mm. so i think it's it's a horrible statistic and yet at the same time it comes down to the social realization it's the same reason Lorraine Allison stayed with her mother because they were looking for her brother who was already off in a lifeboat. So it's, 
refusing to leave your family or refusing to be separated from your family that resulted in a, a lot of a lot of the deaths i'd say oh no of course you know there wasn't there weren't officers you know looking at the kids going not if i'm not getting off you're staying um but it's just it's really harrowing because like david said you would think when you were young you'd be like oh well i mean i'd have survived but what about my dad what about my big brother like but then actually depending on your family dynamic and your social standing you know back then i'd definitely been third class you know i probably wouldn't have been able to afford a third class ticket so as adults we can kind of look back and with more context more understanding and say well actually my parents wouldn't have wanted me out of their sight my parents would have wanted me to kind of stay within their you know vision and that's all well and good but then you know, it's, yeah, it's just really, so f- that for me, that was like a huge wake up call because it was just, it was something I didn't, I didn't know. And that was maybe only two years ago. And so, and there's reasons for it and it, you know, but it just kind of showed me that there's always something to either learn or there's something to kind of solidify about it. Um, hmm. And that's for someone, you know, I'm only 27, I'll be 28 in a couple months, but um, I don't know even like the tip of the iceberg no pun intended like there's so much to learn there's so much to really like sink my teeth into um and yeah i i, th- I think all of you have put it like brilliantly um in terms of why it's still so kind of resonant um and and i do think a huge part of it is kind of putting yourself in in the shoes of those people um even just touching on it there and saying, you know, well, what would my family have done in that position? You know, would would my mum or my dad have put me on a lifeboat and then, you know, went off to do whatever they could? Or, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's it's harrowing. It's, it's pretty harrowing, I think, when you think about it sometimes. But it, it's also fascinating, gripping and dramatic and, and all these kind of words that we've, that we've kind of mentioned. Um, one thing that really bothers me, and I see it online, um, is when people they kind of like refer to the ship in like a sentient way and they don't kind of talk about the people they kind of talk about the ship and I, I don't just mean when they say like she because obviously that's that's just how you refer to yeah if that's right versus ships but yeah, yeah I think I kind of, what are you, what are you getting so, in? so that's fine you know saying she that's standard but it's when they talk about like they almost give it life but they're, they're not referring to the people they're talking about like the ship um, I even had someone send me a poem that they'd written um, and it was referring to and it was written from the perspective of Titanic um, as if she was alive and don't get me wrong like I, I, I see I see the sentiment of what they're doing I, I get it, I do get it but mm. I just I'm like I don't want people to just be like oh she was such a beautiful ship, she was so pretty you know her architecture was great and that's what was lost because it's like well no we could build you know, I can't remember exactly who mentioned it, but we're, we're building one in China. Was it Chandler? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think I think they're almost almost complete with it, actually. Yeah, so it's like you know we're building another Titanic. We can do it's it. Gonna like a, it's going to be like a hotel resort thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's like we can't bring back the like one thousand four hundred ninety six people. Like that's not and like even just mm. saying that number out loud. That's a huge bloody number. That's massive. Um, so for people to have read the headlines been like oh the ship's fine very good and then for them to read just how many people had 
actually died. No wonder it's stuck like that's shocking. It's a shocking amount of people um to to have lost their lives in anything. Um, you know, let alone a, a ship that was just meant to be taking people over to America. Like it's yeah, so so even just me sitting here kind of thinking out loud and talking about kind of what we've discussed, I'm still shocked by it. I, I do think it's just shocking. And I think for, for me, what got me into it, or I think what kind of froze me in that permanent state of obsession was the shockingness of it. That it wasn't just a ship, it was a brand new ship. And it wasn't just a brand new ship, it was the biggest and you know most technologically advanced and supposedly safest ship you know it was all of it was a perfect storm of not only the iceberg and the the ship but of the the heighted kind of atmosphere around it um that obviously when the inevitable happened it, it was just all the more shocking you know that's the only word i can i can think to kind of describe it um yeah but you know it's it's created some amazing art it's created some amazing films um and like we said earlier it's created some incredible real time live streams um it's which... created this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and that is truly the best it was actually the best point that was like... <laughs> brought us all together presley you're you're right <laughs> it has created this podcast how did you think of that aaron Jesus. i know i know i'm just I'm, I'm, it's yeah. bad branding, you know. Just... Bad branding. I, I don't know. I, I don't actually. Who, who <laughs> listens to podcasts here? Like, oh, curious. plenty all the time. It's all I listen to. Me, Jim. Once in a while, I gotta. Say. I actually don't. <laughs> I just don't. Although I did listen to my other halfs the other day because he's just created one. So, but yeah, I generally don't listen to that unless there's like a specific Same. topic where I'm like, like mm, all those YouTubers making podcasts. I haven't listened to a single of them, but there's like a, a podcast about my one of my favorite bands, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I listen the songs to um, and the true crime. Like my idea of unwinding. So when I'm done being shocked and harassed by titanic statistics my go-to relaxation <laughs> is true crime and murder podcasts Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're so fun hmm. there's some pretty awesome like, ones of those yeah. to be fair so, oh there's oh there's some fascinating ones um one of them i listen to is i think it's called trace evidence that's very good um true crime is just it's yes yeah, it's, it's a huge thing um so my life it's like a mixture of titanic and true crime um but and well, I suppose if you believe in the switch theory, Titanic is also true crime. <laughs> oh, <God>. Triggered. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so... oh, sorry. Oh, no, I just crazy. wanted to kind of piggyback on that. You guys are, you know, it's almost like Titanic has reached this myth status. What I think is kind of, you know, crazy is... Uh, they've always said, you know, the Titanic's going to be gone in 20 years or however long it's going to take, one day it will be gone. And what will exist is, you know, people like us, you know, podcasts, the media, the stories and the people's stories. And I think that that's crazy. Yeah, I think it was the sea uh, of glass. I keep mentioning them, but they have some very good points. And one of them was like the historians carry on the torch in a way. Because, you know, it's the story that lives on as long as it's being told, portrayed, that sort of thing, that it lives on. Even a podcast like this. 
<laughs> yeah, like what better way to kind of honor people's memory and to keep their stories, their individual stories alive than kind of talking about them and keeping them alive. That's so true. And that's really, you know, I, I don't get very like mushy very often, but um, but no, I do. I think that's a very, really poignant point to make um, that, you know, I don't think I'll ever have kids, but if I did one day, um, just try and stop me telling them about Titanic, you know. In fact, my friend, when um, I was on holiday this weekend, she did say, she was like, you do know that if you ever have kids, they're also going to become obsessed in Titanic. And I was like, if I've done my job right, then yes, they will. Like, <laughs> you know, that's the dream, that I'll have two mini Aaron's, you know, or however many going out into the world, you know, drawing Titanic from the age of six and people being like, oh, what's that? And then being like, let me tell you. Um <laughs> Wait, wait, where are your bedtime stories? Oh, Sophia, but that's nice to remember. Exactly. Yeah. That's the real Titanic <laughs> legacy. That'd be a like, Can I have a bedtime story? Sure, brings out Walter Lewis. Walter Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I think actually, funny, funnily enough, talking about bedtime stories, I remember in primary school, I... Um, we obviously, you probably all, you know, had to have your reading books and you'd have to write down like what page you're on and all that stuff. And I remember, um, I think I was in year two, so I must have been about, I mean, I <laughs> remember how old you were at those days. Um, but we got to bring in our, um, we actually got to choose a Titanic, um, a, a book that we wanted to read to bring in. So I brought in uh, a Titanic book, but it wasn't a storybook. It was the, I can't even remember um, what the author's name was, but it was the, the Titanic book with black bands at the top and bottom. It's just called Titanic and there's a painting of it sinking in the middle. That's the front cover. Um and that's what I took in as my reading book. And I was sat there and it was like, you know, oh, the Titanic was built in Belfast. It was made of this and this and this. And bear in mind, I must have been about like eight or nine. And I brought in this big book and my teacher even said, <laughs> I think this is a bit too advanced. Can you choose something, something else? Either. And I think that that just kind of goes to show. Yeah, like I think that just kind of goes to show just how like big and impactful this, you know, that Titanic is. The fact that us uh, i mean all of us you know the fact that we're such a young age bringing in these books or talking about such such an advanced topic to be fair um it just it just kind of goes to show just the impact that the titanic has on people and i think as well kind of like referring back a little bit to um the last episode i think that's also why there are so many strong opinions and you know like people kind of argue with each other because it's such a big passion that we all love people can be rather protective um, about the yes, passion i know i know because because people attack yeah, me in my trams exactly. and I'm like, bitch, shut the... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know, um, I wish my brother was on this. I want to get him on one day because I really want to, because um, he knows like nothing about Titanic or he only knows what I've told him um, or, or the lies he's been fed from James Cameron. I'm just joking. But, um, and... If he was here, because he's got a degree in psychology, he'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. S checks out, makes sense. But <laughs> when I was in first year or second year, I we had to do a talk on something that we were passionate about. And I was like, Kylie Minogue, obviously. No, not really. Titanic. <laughs> um, so it was Titanic. You had me fooled there, and you had me fooled. Although looking back, I wish I had done Kylie, because <laughs> at least they'd have known. But... And you can't, you can't get her out of your head. This is, I'm traumatized by this. Like, even just like starting to talk about this, I'm like starting to sweat. It's, it's horrible. But, Did you go through it? You no, know, I was nervous enough as it was. You know, I was up getting in front of my class and I, I was not 
believe it or not, I was not a cool kid. I was actually like, quite bullied. Like, I just was not popular, but I wasn't, like, loathed. Like, people, they kind of saw that was, like, quite funny. You know, I, I was harmless, but I was also a victim. I was, like, a target. It was a weird combination, and it has <laughs> left me, like, yeah. But I got up, and I was like, Titanic, that's my talk. So I spoke about it, and even at that age of, like, 11, 12, I knew some things that people wouldn't know or things that kind of needed corrected um, and I thought it was a really good talk I think I did well I kind of got onto my rhythm and I got confident and then done and the kind of end of it was you know any questions and this one guy just put up his hand he went I what was your talk even about oh and I just kind of stood there and I was like <laughs> I didn't even know what to say I was just like was it not fucking obvious like <laughs> The Titanic. Like, what? And then, because he had kind of set the tone, like, I could tell there were people that were, like, interested in it, but then because he said that, everyone else just kind of shut down. And I was like, oh. And I just kind of, like, took my seat, and my teacher was like, you did really well, Adam, well done. You know, it's it's a pass. (laughs) But it was just really jarring, because I was like, what the hell? Like, and so I don't know if I've, like, carried that forward, where I'm like, I need people to know that I know what I'm talking about, and I need people to care, and I think one of the things that I really like about really getting involved in the online aspect of it is that people do care. Like, people really care. Um, and, like, people know their stuff. And so so I love, I've really enjoyed, you know, kind of diving into the, the online aspect of it. Yes, it can be a bit um, wild at times, but that just makes it all the more interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I but I didn't, because, like I said earlier, I don't read. Um, I didn't bring any Titanic books into... But there was one. Um, I want to say it was like Margaret Brady. I don't know if that was the name of the author or like the character, but it was like a fictional um, kind of like Titanic story. I've seen it shared on a couple of the Facebook groups and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Because I kind of picked it up and read the first few pages. But then I think when I realised it wasn't based on a true person, because I was at that point where I really wanted to absorb all the real material, um, obviously mostly online, um, that I could. So when I saw it was fake, because I was young, I was like, no, not interested. Um, <laughs> next. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, next. Um, <laughs> I very much like the idea of reading Walter Lord to to children. Just a night to remember. Here we go. This a classic. You'll enjoy this. Well, I mean, what was it? I, I think... The first book I ever received was a children's book, Polo the Titanic Bear, written by a Titanic survivor. Like, there are some really, really, really good books for kids. And, I mean, Walter Lord is, is fantastic and, and so on. But I think there's <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe some nuance there that, that would be lost on it's children. It's a bit heavy. <laughs> but, like, like there's, there's books like My Titanic Alphabet, teaching kids the, like, letters of the alphabet with, with the Titanic. Uh, a is for... Uh, I don't know something, but like R is for rivet, or I is for iceberg, or T is for Titanic, <laughs> and so on. Like and it, like, there are so 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 many. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think I have a few of those in the garage. I have some kids ones. Um, the I think it's is the is it called Dorling Kindersley? Those range of books like in for kids. There's um they have some great ones. I think there's one called um the, the story of Titanic, which has amazing cross sections in it. And um there was this other little book. It was I think it was only about like 
maybe like an A5 size book that my dad got me when I was young and that like had kind of the brief outline of the voyage and then it had loads of stuff about the wreck at the end of it it was probably only about 40 pages long it wasn't long at all um but yeah it had loads of really cool information I think I remember taking that into school at one point to read it as well and um the book I was talking about before actually it's uh, it's Titanic by Leo Marriott um mm. that was the book I took into school um as a little kid and my teacher said it was too I remember advanced that. that was a me, big so. hardback black covered book the Titanic font it was, was like <laughs> kind of silver with like rivets that's the one yeah or like white yeah that's the one yeah and i um yeah imagine me at like what seven years old lugging that into school that, that's so like, oh, yeah, i love that this. so much that's so yeah. cute um <laughs> i mean for the book that i'm kind of working on i i knew that people who were of a certain caliber of titanic expert or titanic enthusiast wouldn't you know they might appreciate my drawings but they, that wouldn't be the selling point so i'm like there's no point trying to cater to that crowd because that's just not going to happen and I, I wouldn't anyway mm. but then I'm like I want it to be slightly more informed and detailed than kind of like primary age you know kind of we're, we're past the Titanic alphabet but we're not quite at Leo Maria so I'm like somewhere between those two um, but I'm quite happy with that now because I'm like actually that still means that I can put in quite a lot of information but I don't need to feel like I'm rewriting like honesty of glass, so yeah, you don't need to like make an academic paper or something. It's just like you know hitting the right demographic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I kind of just I I like this, especially nowadays. It's it's very simplistic actually to self publish something. Um, and oh yeah. I just I like the idea that people that are really passionate about something and are creative that they can just they can do that you know they can just release whatever even if it's not a book even if it's if it's art or if it's a digital model or a, a podcast or a, a poem or a song they've written um I, again that person sent me their poem and whilst i didn't want to like broadcast it on my platforms i could appreciate that they had clearly sat and spent time writing that and mm. that's their creative outlet um fan fiction as we know um, Daddy. um yeah that's uh that's a whole thing i had to drop it louis not here i had to drop it i know daddy i'm not gonna lie i was um i was watching james cameron's titanic the other day um while i was at work and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah is, you're, gonna, you're not gonna act and you're like no no can't do this no i think you'll find can do this <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, no, 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 um, no, no, no. I love the fact you were just watching Titanic 1997 at work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I work. I work from home, so I I can I literally do whatever you. I like. It's great. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, just pop it on. I even told work. I was like, "So it's the anniversary. I'm watching this. Um, nobody talked to me. I know <laughs> I'm management as well, so you know, responsibility." Do not engage. <laughs> So Please funny. edit that out. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, to kind of wrap up, I guess I just would like to hear, um, I don't know, kind of like very, because we had kind of said we were going to talk about what we think we would do, but I think it's really hard um, to, to think about that. But just a kind of group discussion. So just kind of, if you can think of something, um, you know, let me know. But if we had been there 
And I, I kind of said, you know, thinking about our parents or us when we were kids or whatever, you know, what would, what would they have done? But as adults now, if we were on the Titanic as the age that we currently are, you know, do we know what we would have done? Um, would we have done anything differently than all those other people did? Um, yeah, I'd just be like curious to kind of hear your your thoughts on that. I find that an interesting topic because I think we're all sat here thinking, yeah, I would be, you know, I'd be really heroic. I would do this, <laughs> but knowing me as I am now, I would probably be somewhere in the corner having a full <laughs> panic attack. Um, you know, I'd be like, you know, if I was with my other half, I would, I would probably just do everything I possibly could mm, to get yeah. up to those lifeboats. You know, I'd be, it would be frantic. I would be freaking out and, yeah, you know, I'd like to think I'd try and be heroic, but I just know it would be blind panic Honestly, trying to yeah. get up those stairs, get to that lifeboat. I mean, I, I, some I think there's always the question off. is, do we, if you're in that situation, is it, do we have the knowledge we have today? Because obviously, like, if you've got the knowledge you have today, you're going to say, okay, I'll go get into lifeboat number seven. There are plenty of men who got into that lifeboat. Or, uh, yeah, I'll just go to the cyber murders. Avoid light uh, well, I mean, I was just thinking because the I would say just away had, it, yeah, it's a good in. clarifying question. So just to clarify, let's say we don't have the knowledge we have today, but let's say you overheard from a gentleman on the boat deck or in the smoking room, and he overheard from Thomas Andrews that yeah, the ship's going to sink. You don't know how long, and you know there's whispers of a ship kind of on the horizon. But the ship's definitely going down, and you know, obviously, that there's just there's not enough lifeboats for people. So that's that's the kind of scenario. Hmm. That's really hard to say because of how different the circumstance is from person to person. Like you'd yeah, have to answer. Yeah, it's like there's a big difference if you're like third, second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. You have to answer what class you're in. You yeah. have to answer what room you're in when it happens. You have to answer who you're with and all that. I might suggest something uh, with this one because I, I would be intrigued, but I would be I'd be really intrigued if people like went away, did a bit of research about like, so if I was there today, I'd probably be in this class. I can roughly assume this is where my cabin might have been. Go away. Come back with like your game plan in the moment. I'd be fascinated by that. Like what what <laughs> yeah. do you have? Because we can be assume, but in, until I sit there, and I'm like, oh no, I would have been in that cabin right there, probably, maybe, or that. What is it? Men in the in the bow, women and family in third class in the stern. Like, where where are in the ship? Are you? When do you know about the the accident itself? When do you know that something's happening? Like, because different people found out at different times, and different people reacted to it in, in different moments. Again, what was it? Lawrence, like Lawrence Beasley, didn't know until he was tripped on the stairs. The what was it? Uh, fifth was it the fifth officer who was on the stern and then saw a lifeboat in the water called up the yeah. bridge and was like what what's going on here <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you aware there's a boat adrift we're sinking come right up yeah um what, one thing i thought was really interesting that i heard was that there was kind of just before the final plunge there was this huge rush of third class people came up to the boat deck um but it was forward so they had mm -hmm. come up either the grand staircase or some other route, but they had emerged right. and it might have been um, Gracie possibly that um, had mentioned that because he was kind of near that, that little area. But um, 
But then I was reading something, and it might have actually been in one of Paul Quinn's books, because there's definitely a photograph of the second class entrance or, or the second class um, like staircase that was like aft. Um, I think it was that book, but basically the it said interestingly, the third class people could have easily accessed this staircase from you know, the third class areas of the ship, you know, second class, although you still technically couldn't go into it, it was much easier to get into second class areas than it was first class. Um, and it was such a direct ascension up from the bowels of the ship to the boat deck. Um, but but yeah, just interestingly, they, they didn't. Um, and I, in learning psychology at college, um, you know, like child development and you know stuff like that for teaching um we covered a lot on learned helplessness um which is this thing that if you come from deprivation or um subservience you know you're a maid all your family have been maids or cleaners or whatever um none of you have ever had any money so therefore you've you've never had agency or anything um, and there were reports of this, you know, there were reports of third class people literally with all their suitcases, they'd gone into their rooms, they'd packed all their stuff, um, or they just had it already kind of ready to go, um, whatever that was. And they're just sitting, they're just sitting around in the kind of public rooms down in the bells of the ship um, yeah. or on stairwells or, you know, the gates weren't locked, but they were just sitting around waiting. They were waiting for... They'd been told, you know, get up, get your life belts on. And they were like, cool, done that. What now? And they yeah. were waiting for someone to literally come and spell out for them. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean, you know, they only did what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. And they had only been told to get up and put their life belts on. And that, and that yes. was it. And so they literally just waited around. And I'll I'll find out and I'll... I'll let you know, I'll send it in the group chat, I'll mention it next time, the the account, but it was just so, you know, that this person was very, like, I'm getting out of here, you just can do what you want, but that these people just sat in groups of in families and just waited um, for someone to come and tell them exactly what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know... There was that assumption as well, wasn't it? Like the lifeboats were for first class, so they and because obviously with the class systems in place, like everyone knew their class, and because they obviously they would have seen signs saying like third class passengers mm-hmm. are not allowed past this point. So like if you look at the the sea the the aft well deck on sea deck, there was mm-hmm. a door straight into the second class promenade, which took you into the second class stairs, which would have gotten to the boat deck. But because there was a sign there that said third class are not allowed past this notice, they wouldn't go because they knew they weren't allowed to. And that's quite. Yeah, I, I find that an really sad. You're allowed systems still kick in, so you don't go. You know, right? I need to do everything to survive. I just like yeah, but there's still rules. <laughs> exactly, and if you don't know the ship's actually going to go down then you're probably not... The, I feel like the men in the bow of the ship, if they could see that it was flooding pretty bad, but even then, they might still think, you know, okay, it's flooding, not great, my socks are now soaked, but we'll be fine. You know, the <laughs> ship won't actually completely go down. And it probably wasn't until the final plunge that, um, you know, they thought, shit, it, it's happening. Um so, but that I just thought that was really sad. This this idea of um, yeah, just 
this lack of agency of just taking your own life in your own hands for that final hour or whatever. Um, and it might not mm. have made a difference. It might have. Um, but yeah, I just think so. So Chandler, what you're saying is, yeah, th that I would really like that actually. Um, and you know, people don't need to put in a lot of time into it. Just think, you know, roughly with what I earn, if we're thinking like nowadays, you know, what class would I be? Um, watch this like next week or no in like two weeks time we'll have someone come on and be like i'd be like crew i'd be crew or first class so <laughs> I, i'd be fine <laughs> i'd be like i'd be like one of the uh... i'm actually the captain <laughs> like uh like whatever like a stoker or something like yes yeah, a bellboy a, bell, a bellboy um yeah. but no that that would be very interesting actually that would be um something quite interesting to do because i i don't know i mean even with the knowledge we have now or with the kind of knowledge of you know it, it is going to sink but you don't know how long it's like well should i overreact you know should i go and gather like 10 mattresses and tie them together or would that be seen as like a faux pas you know would that be a bit embarrassing like it's like you know what what do i do and when do i do it um hmm. Should I collect all the life jackets and stuff it into the? <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the theories for that final word, James Cameron thing. Is like they came up with a model which, according to all the calculations, if you took all the life jackets on Titanic and stuffed them into like the 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 sort of gap into the uh, the hull of the ship, you actually would have Titanic uh, being afloat enough long enough for rescue to come. But it's such a, a specific situation to describe. It's like, yeah, try to convey that to like 2,200 passengers. Can I have your life jacket, please, for this really mad idea that might not work? <laughs> yeah, I think it was um, Ken Marshall's idea, actually. Um, was that Lewis Ab... Was that him or Lewis Abernathy? No, no, it wasn't Lewis Abernathy. was to go back to the iceberg. <laughs> Put people on the iceberg. <laughs> I know, like, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was like, you know, you're not going to be able to get people on lifeboats, but you think they're going to climb on a big chunk of ice? Really? Like, <laughs> um, but even I mean, that, we've had an ice cube in our hands, it's a, it's sitting on a book, no way. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, so, and then plus, you'd have to fight all the penguins, you know, there'd be quite a lot of penguins, maybe like a polar bear or two, you'd have to like... Yeah, you got, got to shove them off oh, to, yeah. get, to get some room. No, but, um, <laughs> Rose will be fine. She'll be like, bipolar bear, punch. Um, so, but yeah, so, so do you know what? I'm looking forward to that for the next one. So we've touched on what we think we would do, but actually, I think it'd be really interesting for the next episode to pick up on where do we think we would be on the ship? You know, what class roughly do we think we would be? And what do we think we'd have done? You know, we can, I can go through kind of one at a time and, or it can just be like a, a group discussion. Um, but I think that would be a really interesting kind of, it's, it's almost like, a, um, it's like a really good assignment. Well, it's like, a, almost like a, one of those books, like a choose your own adventure. Like you, you get a page and it's like, you know, are you first class? Are you second class? Or are you third class? And then you're like, I'm third class. And it's like, turn to page 56. So you do. No, and then it's like, yeah, yeah. Because that would be really fun to write. Oh, that would actually be really good. <laughs> that would be so fun to write.